Well, good morning. Howdy. Well, my name is Jacob Smith, and I'm on staff as the teaching pastor here at Grace College. And man, let me just be the first one maybe to welcome you uh, here to Grace, back to Grace. Man, for some of us, we're new, right? And if you're new here, I, I'm so glad that you are here. And we would love to, to see you back at our information table at the end of the service in the back of the room because we would love to hand you a gift. Uh, and we would love to have a conversation with you about uh, how we can help you find your place here at Grace. And I'll tell you, if you have any questions or concerns, uh, anything that you want to ask us throughout the week outside of a Sunday morning, well, you can always just send us a text. Uh, we have a number that you can contact, and you can just let us know that, that you have a need or you have a question or whatever it is. Man, reach out, and we would love to continue the conversation and meet you where you are uh, in whatever you might need. Uh, we also, I'll tell you, have an incredible opportunity uh, called Growth Track, and this is something that we have consistently that is essentially your best opportunity to learn more about who we are as a church, who you are as an individual created by God, and then what we can accomplish if we really join together. And so if you are interested in learning those things and, and maybe, again, just investing more deeply here in the local body, uh, our next Growth Track is next week at 11 a.m., uh, we are just really excited to start a new semester. Personally, I love the energy and the excitement of starting a new semester uh, because essentially everything gets to change, right? And change can be bad, but it can be good, right? Like there is really positive change that occurs anytime we move into kind of a new season of life. I left for the break. And Rob and Haley, okay, so our worship leader and our lead vocalist, uh, they were just dating. I come back from the break, they're engaged. Oh, I know, to be married. Uh, and they, that changed, right? And that's a good change. Uh, other changes, not so great, right? I, I left for the break and I was still operating under the assumption that denim jackets like weren't that cool, right? Like I remember back in the olden days, like breakfast club, like denim was cool. But then in my days, when J. Tim wore a denim suit, it was like not cool, right? That's not good. Uh, Brittany's like rocking it, but J. Tim, come on. But now, they're cool again, right? Like that's, that's a thing. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. I'm confused, but I accept it. Uh, I left during the break and I thought, you know, the world is pretty normal. I kind of understand how things work. And I come back from the break and suddenly we've decided as a society to love an egg. Uh, and that is something that again, generates confusion in my heart, uh, but I'm going to accept it, right? Why? Because change is inevitable. Right? Our world is always open to change for better or worse. Just when we think we have things figured out, everything can shift, and it can turn out, again, maybe worse than we expected. Um, so I made these cookies. Uh, they're cornflakes, marshmallows, butter, and some M&Ms on top to be, um, to be kind of, they look like Christmas treats, right? Easiest recipe in the world. have all the best intentions, right? Maybe we think we found the perfect recipe. 
And yet everything can suddenly change and we find ourselves in a place we never thought we'd be. We find our cookies looking disgusting, right? Like we have suddenly experienced change, maybe even now over the break, where uh, our major just switched, right? We think we have things figured out, but suddenly we're on a different career path. Suddenly maybe we left an organization. We think we have things figured out with another person and then we break up or they break up with us. And suddenly we don't have that boyfriend. We don't have that girlfriend anymore. And the reality is that change has the potential to bring incredible frustration and and anxiety into our lives. But at the same time, that change doesn't always have to be negative, right? That change also has potential to bring incredible freedom and fulfillment, right? Our world is open to change. And that's why Jesus Christ calls his followers, his disciples, to be a people who change the world. Jesus Christ looks at every single person who has placed their faith in him for the forgiveness of their sins, every person who calls them their Lord, every person who calls him their Savior. He says, look, you now can change the world. In fact, that's your mission, that's your purpose. You are here no longer living for yourself, but you are here living for this greater purpose of of changing the world for the better. And this is something that taps into a deep level of our souls, right? According to sociologists right now, your generation, this next generation, more than any generation before you, wants to make a difference in this world and wants to see the world change for the better. This is just something that's happening to us as a society, And it's awesome, right? You guys have deep concerns. You care deeply about global issues. You care about your environmental impact. You care about social justice. You you care about these wonderful things, these, these things that need to improve, these things that need to change. One author puts it this way. He says that this next generation is crazy enough to want to change the world and is courageous enough to actually do it. And man, I think that's beautiful. I think that's amazing. We have the desire. But what's the direction? Right? See, I think that's where sociologists, they don't have an answer. They're like, man, we see this desire, but we don't know what you should do with it. But in that moment, speaking to that desire, talking to you where you are right now, Jesus Christ says, I've got the direction in mind. I've got the path laid out. I have the point on the horizon that you can navigate towards. He says, do you want to change the world? So then you need to commit yourself to my unchanging mission of making disciples. See, that's what he tells his, his followers in Matthew 28. He's about to leave them. And, and he wants to give them some parting thoughts, a, a, a final address. And so he tells them all to gather on a certain hill. And so the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain that Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Right, So they were all over the spectrum. Some of them were sold out. Some of them were still struggling with what they believed about who he was and what he had done. And yet for all of these people who on some level had said, yeah, we want to follow Jesus. Yeah, he, he's, he's going to be the person that, that, I'm, that I'm seeking to obey. He's going to be the person that I'm seeking to follow, that I'm listening to, that's guiding my steps. To every single one of them, no matter how committed they might have felt in that moment, he gives them the same charge. He gives them the same calling. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, I've got this whole thing figured out. He says, I'm ultimately in control, right? I've got all the authority. I've got all the power. He says, if you're looking for answers, I've got them. He says, and this is what I'm going to tell you to do. This is what you're hearing from the top dog, the one in charge, the one who sees all the little pieces. He says, this is what you got to do. You got to go and make disciples of all the nations. 
you got to go and make disciples. This is the rallying cry, the cause, the flag that we wave, the, 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 the thing that we champion as believers. We've been doing it for thousands of years. It's an unchanging mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to show people who he is and what he's done. In other words, our mission as a church, your mission as, as a follower of Christ, every day, day in, day out, every season, every context, in college, out of college, before college, post college, I mean, it, whether you're married, single, dating, whatever, for every single one of us in every single season, our mission, our goal as followers of Christ is to help other people find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. That's the mission statement of our ministry here at Grace. We help people find and follow Jesus. This is the gospel. That we were broken. That we were, we were in the midst of, of death and destruction. And in the middle of that, our God, the God of the universe, the one who made us and loves us, he looked at us and he didn't want to leave us in that mess. He loved us too much to allow us to remain his enemies. And so he sent Jesus Christ out of heaven and onto earth where he lived the perfect life that we could not live, where he died the death that we deserved. And then when he rose from that grave three days later, he says, you know what? That sin, those mistakes, those missed opportunities, those regrets, that shame, he says, I left it in the grave. He says, and now if you call on me, if you trust in me, he says, you can leave that grave. And you can enter into a new life with a new purpose, with a new calling, with a new mission. It says you now have opportunity to leave those things behind, to enter into a life that is fulfilling, that is satisfying, that's eternal. And that's why we're here, to show people that truth. Jesus says if you want to make a difference in this world, he says what you've got to do is you've got to make disciples. Right? If we want to make a difference, the way we do it is we make disciples. That's coming from Jesus Christ. That's his calling on our lives. So how do we make these disciples? Right? If that's the what, then what's the how? How do we get there? See, thankfully, Jesus didn't just present the vision for his disciples in Matthew 28. He also presented the plan. He presented the methods. He gave them the strategy to use to make these disciples. And essentially it boils down to three key pursuits. He says, I want you to be baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to be teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, you're not in this alone. He says, this is a team sport. You've got each other and you've got me. Remember, I'm with you even until the end of the age. I'm going to send my spirit to be your guide. The spirit of God is going to guide you and strengthen you and empower you and motivate you and send you out. He says, man, this is your mission. This is your calling. To follow in his footsteps. To, to now mimic his example that he lived out of consistently going after these three pursuits. Of consistently, what I'm kind of rephrasing as inv inviting and teaching and living. That's what we see laid out. He says, I want you to be a people in the midst of an inconsistent world who commit yourself to consistently invite and teach and live in this command. And if you do that, says that's the way to get to where you want to be. That's the way you're going to make disciples. And that's the way you're going to make a difference. That's the way you're going to change the world. Is by committing yourself to this consistent pursuit. It says you're baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This baptism, man, he, he's getting at this, this idea that 
that we are inviting people into the family of God, right? That's what baptism is. Baptism is simply a, an outward display of an inward decision. It's, a, it's an outward representation of an inward reality. It's someone publicly showing everyone around them, their family, friends, community. They're saying, hey, I am aligning myself with Christ. That's what baptism is. They say, hey, I, I'm going to be a person in the family of God, and this is how I want to live my life. This is what I want to do. And what I love about baptisms is that just in, in showing that kind of bold acceptance of the invitation, it's almost continuing to invite others. Right? That's why I love our baptism Sundays every time we do them at the end of the semester uh, here in Grace College. I mean, our next one's in May. I'm already pumped. Send me an email. Sign up. Oh, come on. Let's go. Because what that is is it's an opportunity for people to show up and not just the people getting baptized. I mean, it's a significant moment for them to be baptized, absolutely. But man, it's also a significant moment because every single semester, there are people in our audience. There are people who are watching that baptism, and suddenly they are hit with the invitation to become a follower of Christ in a new way. They get to hear the gospel eight, nine, ten times, depending on how many people are getting baptized. Every single person explains the gospel. Every single person explains what they believe and why they believe it. And suddenly, every single person in the room has an opportunity to see themselves being extended that same invitation. That's why I love baptism. That's why I love that Jesus Christ is, is, is continually inviting. Right? He set this example for us of consistently calling people to follow after himself. So what holds us back? Right? Why do we hesitate to invite people into following after Christ? I, I think our barriers show up in a number of different ways. Sometimes we're afraid of being annoying. Right? We're afraid of just belaboring the point. Someone's like, no, nah, I don't really want to go to that. I don't really want to go to breakaway or go to church or whatever. And, and we don't want to like, invite again because we're like, well, I don't want to just like, nag them. Right? Or maybe we're afraid of appearing closed-minded. Maybe we know people have been burned by other Christians in the past, and we don't want to step into that stigma. We don't want to be perceived in that light. Or maybe we're just afraid of looking weird, of being so countercultural, of, of being so dedicated to this Jesus guy that when people see us saying that, when they hear us inviting them, they're just going to think that we're from a different planet, that we just look so bizarre. what they do. We are so worried at times. The barrier that holds us back from inviting people to come and and see that God is good. The barriers that we're afraid of looking foolish. And and I'll tell you, man, those are barriers that we should be overcoming. Those are hesitations that should not hold us back. And yet I find myself in the same boat. Man, I find myself at times hesitating to invite people in to follow after Christ. Why? Because a lot of times for me personally, I naturally will always drift towards wanting people to feel more comfortable than they are convicted. And so when I see people walking in a life or when I know that maybe they don't really feel this whole God thing, I am hesitant to bring up Jesus, to bring up my faith, to extend an invitation. Why? Because I don't want them to not like me. 
That's my sinful nature that, that wants to be uh, accepted and, and liked at all times, to just kind of bring uh, life and comfort and, and ease to people's lives. And man, that's something that simply is not ultimately loving. It's not loving to just let people run towards their own destruction. That comfort's going to kill them. And if we want to overcome these barriers, I mean, if we want to push through these hesitations, I think for all of us, we've got to accept a simple truth. We need to embrace the fact that our gospel is distinct and that it's desperate. We have to, as a community, as followers of Christ, embrace the distinction and the desperation of our gospel. This is what Scripture points to in 1 Corinthians, that we preach about a crucified Christ who's a stumbling block to Jews and he's foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God. Yeah, you know what? There's going to be people in this world who just kind of trip over the Jesus thing and who never quite understand, who think it's dumb. But that does not change the fact for those of us who have seen the light, who have seen the truth, who have felt the conviction of the Spirit, who have seen that Jesus Christ is alive, who have seen the power of his resurrection play out in our own lives. For those of us that have seen that, man, we know this is the power of God. This is the wisdom of God. I loved, I was sitting down with one of our leaders a couple weeks ago, and he was like, man, I just, over the break, I struggled with this truth. And I was like, man, if this is all real, right, if this is all true, if Jesus really is the way and the life and the truth, man, what am I doing with my time if I'm not continually asking people to follow him? Man, what am I doing? Man, we need to grasp that our gospel is weird. It's not of this world. We also need to grasp that, man, it is urgent that there's always a desperation to our preaching. That no day is guaranteed. That no life goes on forever. And so what we see in Scripture is this calling to us, man, to be a people who are invested in this truth. Because this is what happens. As we invest more deeply in the, in the truth of the gospel, what happens is we will naturally extend more invitations. Right? This is similar to what we talked about last week. We always speak most boldly wherever our belief runs deepest. Another way to think about it is that we extend more invitations wherever we're most invested. Right? That's why some of us maybe had family members who just insisted we went to A&M. How many of us had like a parent, a grandparent, someone that just like was like, you're going to A&M. And they said, look, look at these. Look at these people. You're here now, so I guess it worked. Uh, so good for their strategy. But man, that's, the reality is that some of us grew up in that environment where someone was like just over us, like they're over the crib. They're like, hullabaloo, connect, connect, little baby, right? <laughs> Every single birthday just gave us like a Reveille doll. And we're like, what is this? They're like, everything, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's what they told us. And we were given this pressure. We were told, why were they so insistent on invitations? Because they were invested in what is great about Texas A&M University. Man, they were invested here, and so they invited over and over and over again. So where do we invite? Where do we consistently invite people? I would say our goal as followers of Christ is we should be inviting people consistently to any place where people are focused on the person of Jesus Christ. One of those places is here on Sunday morning. Invite them to join you at church. Man, we go out of our way here at Grace to make sure that people hear the truth of God and see the love of God. Our goal is that every single person would be able to step into this environment and feel welcomed and known, appreciated and loved. 
Dr. Tom Rainer uh, was writing this book about religiosity in America, and what he found through thousands of these interviews is that when he talked to people who were unchurched, he found that 82% of them said that they would definitely accept an invitation from a friend to go to church. They were like, yeah, if someone from a, that goes to a church invited me to join them, uh, yeah, for sure, I would go, 82%. When he talked to people who were in the church, who were regular attenders, what he found is that 2% of them had ever extended an invitation to a friend inviting them to church. That's a big disparity. That's a big gap. It's a problem. But man, I read that, I saw that, and I was like, man, how beautiful is it that we have now found the one moment on earth where it is good to be a two-percenter, right? <laughs> I was like, yes. People start calling me that like freshman year, and suddenly I can embrace it. I mean, we can step into this gap and we can invite people consistently to join us wherever people are focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's coming to church. Next week, we're starting a brand new series. It's a perfect time to invite people to come and join you here at Grace. Bring your friend, bring your classmate, bring your roommate, bring your lab partner. Because we want to present them with the truth of God and the love of God. We want to point them to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're inviting them to a different kind of community. I mean, maybe it's to breakaway. Awesome. Maybe it's to a small group you're part of. Great. Maybe it's to an organization you've joined. Absolutely wonderful. But what's happening in those environments, right? If we're consistently inviting people to join us in those moments, in those environments, what's happening? I think Jesus Christ is, again, very clear. He says you should be consistently inviting them to these communities where people are consistently teaching them about the God who saved them, about the God who loves them, right? He says you should be teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Right? Jesus, he modeled this. He was consistently teaching people what he knew about the God who loved us too much to leave us alone. And so he says, you've got to join me in this pursuit. Right? If you want to make disciples, this is how you do it. But, but why do we hang back? Right? Why do we hesitate? Again, I think we have barriers pop up that hold us back in a variety of different ways. Sometimes we just don't feel that urgency. Right? We don't have that desperate. We think, yeah, I'll get to it later right? when I have more time. Maybe we think, oh, we're overcommitted. We say, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm running all these different directions. I, just, I don't have the brain space to really share with someone what I know or what I'm learning about the Lord. Or maybe we're afraid that if we enter into those conversations, we're just going to look foolish, that we're just going to look ignorant, that if we start to try to tell people about our God or teach them what we've learned, they're going to ask a question that we're not ready for, and we just kind of look dumb. Hundreds gathered today to say their final goodbyes to this fallen Louisville police officer, D.D. Megadoodoo. Hmm. Hmm. That's wrong, right? If you were like, really? No, that's wrong. That is not how you pronounce that name. Megadoodoo. It's impressive that she went there, but that's wrong. We're afraid of looking ignorant. We're, we're afraid of looking unskilled, untrained. I, I know for me, a lot of times, maybe it's, it's even a less of a fear that I'll look dumb, and it's more of that I, I will naturally spend my time learning maybe about God, or maybe I'll, I will naturally more fill my time thinking about like strategies and goals and, and these different things. I, I mean, I love reading and learning, but, but I don't generally naturally want to spend that time learning from God. I'll learn about Him. I learn about his church. I learn about his strategy. I learn about these different. But man, in terms of just sitting and being quiet and still before the Lord, being still and knowing that He's God, man, that's 
is not a natural inclination that I have. And so when people ask me, hey, what's God teaching you? Well, I don't have much to draw from. And I'll tell you, if we want to overcome these barriers, we want to push through these hesitations, I think we've got to come back to a foundational truth. We need to embrace the fact that God has given us his word, that it is rich with value, and that's rich with wisdom. We need to embrace the value and the wisdom of God's word. And when we really see it for what it is, as divine revelation from the creator of the universe, suddenly I believe our attitudes and our actions will change. I believe that our time will get shifted. I think we'll be more ready to listen and to learn from him through his word, through prayer, through just quiet meditation upon what he wants to tell us. Right? This is what we see in scripture. In the psalmist in 119, he says, I'm up before dawn crying for help and I find hope in your word. He says, my eyes anticipate the nighttime hours so that I can meditate on your word. What's he saying? He says, man, I want to book in my day, not with Instagram, not with Reddit, not with like a YouTube video. Man, I don't want to book in my day with text messages and catching up on emails. He says, I want to open and close my days with you in your word. I can't wait to wake up so I can read it. Can't wait to go to sleep so I can think about it. And this is someone who sees the value and the wisdom the richness of God's word. That God's word is worth our time, our effort, our attention, our study. So what are we consistently sharing? Man, I would encourage us to be a people who are consistently sharing whatever God is putting on our hearts and minds as we just sit and listen and learn from him. Right? We need to be students of the word if we want to be teachers of it. The moment you stop learning is the moment you stop teaching And so if we're going to follow in Christ's footsteps of always consistently teaching people, man, we've got to be consistently learning and growing in our faith, growing in our knowledge of the God who loves us, who saved us, who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. And man, I'll tell you, this is something that is best in community. We're firm believers of that here at Grace, that you're going to learn the most, that you're going to be most enriched if you are learning and growing in community. And so if you are not in some sort of small group, if you're not in a a small community of people who are not only focused on each other, but are also focused on the person of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you. I mean, these are two links. The top link is just going to lead you to a a page that lets you sign up for a small group here at Grace. If you're not a part of something like that, I would strongly encourage you to make this the semester where you jump in. They start this week. And you can jump in anytime. The bottom link is going to send you, if, if you're a graduating senior, we have a, a specialized study called Life After College that's focused on foundational principles and truths that, that equip you to navigate the world out, you know, post-college. Either way, I mean, I would encourage you to make this semester, whether it's here at Grace or somewhere else, to find your community of people where you're learning together, where you're sitting under the Lord. For you individually to, to use Uh, resources at your disposal to learn from the Lord, to to read scripture. One of the best ways that, man, I am just the biggest fan of is using the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. And I sign up for reading plans and I have Devo so that it buzzes in my pocket every morning and every evening so that I pull it out and I'm reminded, man, I want to spend this time just being still before the Lord, seeking him in prayer, reading a Devo, man, just in line with his truth. But then what do we do with it? I think that's the question we should be asking. If we're inviting people in 
to this community where we're learning and growing and teaching one another, then what are we doing with it? How do we live it out? I think Jesus, again, is very clear. He says you should be consistently, essentially obeying everything that I've commanded you. Right? He says commit yourself to live this life that's consistent with your belief. Right? He says let this faith play out. Jesus modeled this for us, right? He was always consistently living for the glory of God and the good of others. So why do we hesitate to do the same? Why do we hesitate to live out that purpose? I think sometimes the barrier for us is that we're afraid of judgment, that we're afraid of maybe looking strange, right? The blah, 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 blah. Like that's, that's our fear. We're afraid of that, that if we're really committed to this, people are going to see us as old-fashioned or closed-minded or, or weird or strange. Man, we're, we're afraid maybe of the sacrifice it's going to take. We're afraid of the, the discomfort we're going to experience if we're really laying down our life, if we're really denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him. We're afraid of what that's going to mean for some of our relationships or some of our resources, for our time, for our energy, for our future. We're afraid of that sacrifice. Or maybe some of us, we just assume that someone else is going to take care of it, right? We see the needs around us. We're like, man, someone else is going to step in. I'm, I'm all right. Right? It's that kind of crowd mentality. It's, it's kind of passing the buck to someone else to own it. We, we, we neglect to take ownership because they mean someone else can take care of it. And, and honestly, that's where a lot of us, that's where we start our lives. Right? This is just part of being human, is that we will always kind of pass the buck and, and rely on other people to meet our needs. That's where my kids are right now. As small humans, right, what they do is they will encounter needs in their life, right? my four-year-old and two-year-old, seen here reading the Bible, of course, uh, they are, via like Daniel Tiger, uh, they, they are in the midst of having to learn the value of personal action and ownership, right? Their default, their natural instinct when they encounter a need, in their, when they experience a need, is that they just kind of shout it out, right? So if my daughter or son, if they're hungry, literally what they do is they just go, hungry, hungry. Dad, hungry. I'm like, okay, all right. If they're thirsty, they just say, milk, milk. I'm like, get milk, right? Like, because my four-year-old, right, my son, he legitimately needs me to, like, get him milk. I'm like, I love you, bud. All right, but my daughter, who's four, she is big enough to go to the fridge, open it up, get her cup out. She can get her own milk. So when she's just sitting there and she's like, milk, I'm like, go get it. (laughs) Own your life, right? Like, Take action. Do not be passive, right? Like they, they will just sit in this weird passivity, assuming that other people need to just meet all the needs in their lives and, and around them. They, we've had disease sweeping through our home for like a week and just snotty, just drain it, just all stuff, right? And so their faces will just be wet and sticky and gross. And they'll walk up to me and be like, oh, sticky. And I'm like, wipe your face, right? Like why... You can reach, there's a tissue box here, like just to do it. But there's something in us as people where we just assume that someone else needs to take ownership of that need. And I'll tell you, in six weeks, we're having another baby. And these kids are in for a shock because I will be like, no, your brother, right? And I'll have a great excuse. Man, they need to see this. We need to see this, that, that honestly, we will assume my issue is that so many times I will walk through life and I will assume that when I have a need, when I have an issue, that my need is somehow greater than anyone else's around me. 
And so maybe it's not necessarily inaction for my own needs, but it's complete inaction for others because I say, no, 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 this is the top priority. I can't stop and help you. I got to get to my meeting. Like, no, I don't want to listen to this issue. Like, I'm thinking about something else right now. And I see needs around me, and I just say, uh, need. And I'm quick to let other people take care of it. And we fall into this lie of assuming that our lives are all about us when Christ is calling us to something completely different. When he tells us that, man, if we want to be his followers, we deny ourselves. In other words, we see ourselves in a life that's more about him and them than it is about us. If we really want to push through these barriers, overcome these obstacles, we need to embrace this truth. That our God wants to minister not only to us, but also through us. That our God wants to use us as his hands and feet. That's why we're called the body of Christ, because we're his hands and feet, doing what he would be doing if he was with us physically. That's why we read these wonderful passages in Scripture. It's all throughout, but I love this one in 2 Corinthians. It tells that he's saying, Blessed is the God, our Father, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we may be able to comfort others experiencing any trouble with the same comfort that God showed us. Paul's saying, look, you know why I've been comforted recently? So that I can comfort you. He says, I'm experiencing the grace of God so that I can extend the grace of God. That's a mindset shift. That's a new way of living. That's a new way of obeying the commands that Christ has put before us. A boldly selfless life life that's more about him. It's more about them. It's less about us. That's what we're called to. So practically, man, the way that we consistently live this out, I think some of the ways that are right in front of us, one of them is, is sacrificially giving. Financially. That if you are invested in the body of Christ, right, if you call grace your home, Man, then I would encourage you to be practicing the discipline of sacrificial giving. Maybe it's to a church. Could be to this church. Could be to your home church. Maybe it's to an organization that's, that's putting the gospel forward in the world. You could give to Breakaway. They'll take it. You could give to Impact. I mean, you can give to Crew. You can give to your friend who's about to go overseas on, on a mission. I mean, you can give to all these different areas, to all these different people, to all these organizations that are pushing the gospel forward in our world. And I'll tell you, sometimes what hangs us back is we say, no, I'm, I'm just not at that level yet. Like one day, I'll feel comfortable uh, uh, giving in that way. And I'll tell you, if you're not willing to sacrificially give $1 out of 10, you're never going to give 10000 out of 100 You never will. It's a lie that you're somehow going to reach a stage of life where you're like, oh, now I feel comfortable sacrificing for the gospel. It's not true. Build the habit now. Be a person who's giving. Be a person who's serving. Right? I'm honored and privileged to work alongside of an incredible team of staff members and of volunteers, of students like yourself, who, who give their lives for the gospel who led trips over the break, who are leading trips this summer, who are, who, are, who are serving you even on Sunday mornings, who greeted you outside, who welcomed you in the doors, who set up the chair that you're sitting in, who maybe talked to you before the service started, who are excited to talk with you after the service ends. And I'll tell you, man, they are here not because they love sacrificing the time, not because they love getting here early and staying late. They, they are here and they're doing these things because they love the Lord and because they know the Lord loves you. 
And that's why we have things like Growth Track to teach us more about how we can put the gospel in action, to create space for the Spirit to work, to change lives. If you want to jump in with us, man, one easy link top is going to take you to an easy sign-up to serve with us on Sunday mornings. Maybe that's something that you can jump into this semester, to be a minister of the gospel right here, right here in our midst. We don't need people to just greet. We don't need people to set up chairs. We need people to be ministers and shepherds to sit and listen to the hurting, to share their faith with the lost. If that's what you want to be, if that's where you want to put your life, then go to that top link. For, for the rest of us, for, for many of us, I would also encourage us to consider multiplying our lives, right? making disciples. We spent the last nine months as a team thinking about how do we better equip, prepare our people to go and make disciples. And what we landed with is a resource that's at that bottom link that you can write down, you can take a picture of with your phone. Man, but it's essentially a way, if you've got eight weeks and three buddies, we want to make all of you, we want to equip all of you into becoming disciple makers. It's a free resource online. It's a study that you walk through in eight meetings. It's not comprehensive, but it's a starting point. It's concise. It gets you going. You can go to that resource. It's free online. You can buy physical copies at the back after the service. But man, the reason we do this is because as we serve and, and sacrifice, as we really dedicate our lives to this gospel, what happens is we become more and more invested, which means that what? We begin to extend more and more invitations. And suddenly, as we're investing and, and inviting, we're, we're, we're bringing in more investors. And as we train them up, we make more disciples, and we begin to make more of a difference, we begin to change our world. That's why we do these things. So I don't know what's next for you. I don't know what needs to change for your life, but our God does. So let's ask him right now to give us some guidance. God, we thank you that you have given us this opportunity, Lord, to come together to, to learn from your word, God, to listen to your truth, God, to see the opportunities we have right in front of us to invest our lives in a higher, better purpose. And God, there's parts of who we are that need to change. God, for some of us, uh, the change that needs to happen right now for us is, is we are being convicted by the Holy Spirit to put our faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. God, there's some of us right now that are feeling your tug at our hearts. God, where you are showing us with absolute clarity that Jesus Christ is the answer to the deepest longings of our souls. God, that trusting in Christ is, is the way to find the fulfillment that we've always longed for. God, to, to find the life that, that we just feel is always outside of our grasp. God, to, to see that you are good, that you are God, and that you love us, Lord, that is, that is something that is hitting some of us for the very first time. And, and my encouragement, if that's you, is really simple. If you, our heads are still down, our eyes are still closed, but man, if that's where you are, if, if you are feeling this tug from the Lord to trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I would just love if you would be bold in raising your hand so that those of us on staff can just see, can see where you are and can pray for you in this moment. Awesome. God, we confess, 
Lord, there are some of us who are, who are seeing for the first time, God, that you are. You're, you're the one who's calling them to a higher, better, greater existence. That you're the answer to, to those, those deepest questions. And so, God, we confess that, that we can't know you on our own, that we can't reconcile, we can't form a relationship with you on our own. We can't find these answers on our own, but instead you sent Jesus Christ to make the way when we had no way. So God, some of us are confessing right now that that we need you, that we long to be united with you, that we want to experience the redemption that you offer through Jesus Christ. Man, let me tell you, if you, you join me in that prayer, it wasn't a secret formula, but it was a confession of where your heart is. For the rest of us, man, that's, that's maybe something that we've grasped in the past that, that we're just looking to change and how it plays out moving forward. That we need to be more consistent in the way that, that we invite and the way that we teach and the way that we serve and live. So if you would, just take a moment right now and ask the Lord, say, God, show me what can change in my life so that I can be better prepared to go out and change the world. God, show it to me right now. God, again, we thank you that you've given us this time to reflect, to to learn. Lord, guide our feet as we leave this place. Lord, let the, the worship that we're about to step into just continue to glorify you above all, all other things, above all other pursuits. Lord, we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we have something a little bit different. I'm mixing it up just a smidge uh, because I want to tell you about uh, what we're about to walk into as a ministry, uh, what we're about to step into as a church. Uh, starting next week, we are super excited as a staff to essentially begin a four-week series where we're examining uh, our sexuality, human sexuality. And when we walk through these next four weeks, man, we're going to be uh, diving into... First of all, God's design for our sexuality and our gender. We're going to look at, man, what does God tell us about us? How has he made us? And then the second and third weeks of the series, we're going to be uh, talking about focusing on how do we pursue victory over the distortions that we all experience? And then how do we love people well as they encounter those same struggles, as they encounter those same distortions? And then that fourth and final week, what we're going to be doing is we'll be focusing on the incredible, holistic redemption that we can all experience through Jesus Christ. Man, I'll tell you, this is a, uh, a, a topic that we want to step into, that we want to talk about, because, man, we want to encourage and equip you in this series. And so we've been studying for the past, man, six months, all these national trends and, and information and, and, and data. And, and I'll tell you, it's been really helpful in guiding our focus of how to spend our time through this series, but we realized a while back that, man, we want to be as locked in with our local context as we possibly can. And so to help us do that, I have a really simple request for you. Uh, I'm going to ask that we would take the next couple minutes and, and just share honestly and completely anonymously about where we are with this topic. Right? To do that, we've prepared a short, completely anonymous survey that, I mean, I would just, I would so deeply appreciate if you'd pull out a phone, if you type in this silly URL, 
and just spend 90 seconds providing us with your completely honest, completely anonymous feedback so that we're, we're more prepared to be more focused with some of our time over these next four weeks. We want to meet you where you are. So just take a minute and fill this out. If you're still filling it out, thank you so much. Um, I just, I want to let you know that obviously this is an enormous topic that we can't cover in one week or even four. Uh, but man, I, I'd give you three simple encouragements as we step into this series. Uh, the first would be, man, I would really encourage you to prioritize joining us for the entirety of the series. To really make a, a, an intentional move to be with us as we learn from God's word, as we engage with this issue, as we see his truth and the way he speaks on this topic. Uh, I'd also encourage you, second of all, to invite a friend, man, to bring someone with you who needs to, who would benefit from the truth of God's word and the love of God's people. This topic can produce so much pain and create so much baggage in people's lives and heartbreak and, and brokenness. And man, we want every single week to be pointing people to the healing power of Christ. That's our goal. That's our aim. It's not to draw a line in the sand. It's not to construct a little hill that we're going to die on. It's to every single week show people that Jesus is better. That he's made you for more. So if you have that friend, you have that roommate, you have that classmate, man, invite them to come and see the truth of God's word, to experience the love of God's people. And finally, I would encourage you in this time to be just immersed in God's word, immersed in his truth on, on an individual basis outside of Sundays. We're going to maybe help equip you in that next week when we launch a, a reading plan through the YouVersion app connected with the series. But man, even in the meantime, please be praying for us. Please be asking God to move powerfully in our midst, pointing people ultimately to Jesus Christ in every situation, in every struggle. If you would even just, let's, let's ask him for that right now. God, we thank you that you have put the burden on our hearts, Lord, to, to step into the messy struggles of our world. And God, we just ask that, there, that in the midst of maybe a lot of room for division, maybe a lot of room for frustration, that God, that you would just produce supernatural unity. That God, you would bless us with supernatural peace. That God, you would give us just incredible wisdom and discernment and insight and love and grace every step of the way. So if you would even just take a moment right now and ask that God would move powerfully in our midst over the next four weeks.